Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast in episode 85 today. And my lovely guest is Neve Doyle, a primary school teacher, author, and most importantly, a parent. Neve primarily writes about well-being for children and their families. Her new book, Mighty Mindsets, is being released on April the 20th and being launched on May the 5th in Charlie Burns Bookshop in Galway, alongside her publisher's Little Island. So this book is all about how mindsets can help your child with life's ups and downs. Neve, you are so very welcome. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks for having me today. You're so welcome. So again, um, if I have met the person before in person, I always like to say how we've connected. And I have known Neve for a good few years. I'm not sure how many years, Neve. You might know exactly when we met. Um, three or three years ago, maybe something. I'm not sure. Three. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A few years now. Yeah. So I've known Neve for the past three years, and um, I've seen her develop and grow within herself. And now I am absolutely so excited because she's been planning this book for a long time and had this beautiful idea in her head to share with other parents and especially with their children, as she is a mom to two beautiful children herself. So Neve, tell us about, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about the book in a few minutes, but tell us about your own journey, you know, and where you came into, I suppose, the world of mindfulness and how it has helped you at yourself, but also as a parent to your own children. Um. So I've always had an interest in well-being in, in different ways. It didn't, it really came to the fore when I was teaching. I worked in a number of different settings, mainstream, special schools and hospital schools. And the one thing I noticed across the board in every school and that every child had in common was that they couldn't learn without some basic needs being met. So obviously you have food, shelter, warmth, those basic needs. But once those have been met, what children really need is to feel safe and secure. And it's been studied. Um, a person can't, it's very difficult for a person to learn if they don't feel that, if they don't feel safe, because you're in some sort of fight or flight mode the whole time. And so if you can't relax, if you're watching over your shoulder on some level, you're not able to relax and spellings really are not a priority, you know. Mm. Um, so, so as a teacher, I started to pay attention to that. And what could I do to make sure that I didn't know what was happening for the children every day when they came in? I didn't know what's going on in their lives. You could be a teacher for a class for a whole year and you really don't know a lot about what's going on for them. Um, so I would say to myself that for the six hours that I was with them, that they would feel safe and secure, that that was my priority. And it would be simple as standing at the door when they were coming in and saying hello to each one of them by name and the same as they were going home to make sure we were connecting. And I noticed the difference that made, even if you were just substituting in the school for a day, standing at the door and saying hello, and looking at them and saying hello and looking happy to see them, it made such a difference to the children. They just lit up. They were just happy because they, they were seen. Mm. And that I saw that really tuned me into it. So I started studying mindfulness, um, meditation, and what I could bring to the classroom. And uh, the funny thing really was that by studying it for the children in the class, it started like it was like osmosis. You know, it started just impacting my own day-to-day -day life. Yeah, that's really where it started from. Yeah, amazing. I love, you know, what you said is for the six hours that the child or the children are with you, that while they're with you, what can you give to them and how can you really see them 
and hear them because again as adults you know and with all my work as you know it's about allowing someone to be seen and to be heard and to be acknowledged most of all and I think for children you know and again if we look at huge classrooms and schools and there can be a child or children that are kind of in the distance somewhere and we have the children that are very outgoing and they have their hands up constantly and there's the child at the back that's afraid to put their hand up in case of being wrong and I know even because my sister works in a school also and it's very hard for teachers even now to be able to give that individual attention I'm not saying they don't for all the teachers out there I'm not saying you don't but I'm just saying that there's a lot of workload and there's a lot of needs that need to be met nowadays for children. There was in the past as well, but I think more so now that we're more aware and teachers are more aware of the needs that children, you know, have. And as you said, you're not sure what's going on in their lives and you're not a social worker but it's what you can do in those six hours a day to let that child know that they are safe and secure within your class or whoever the other teachers are for that six hours. I think that is so important. Do you think teaching has changed, Neve, over the years? Yes, I do think so. If I was to compare it to when I was, in, say, in primary school and back in the 80s, it's changed an awful lot. And I used to sometimes wish when I was in the class that I could go be a teacher then, in a way, yeah. um, because there's a lot more pressure on teachers now, paperwork and just the amount of subjects to get through, the amount of workbooks that have to be filled in every day, the expectations that are there to have these workbooks uh, filled in and the paper, all the paperwork done. It uh, can be very difficult then for a teacher if you come along with a well-being program. Uh, it's, it's it's like that's another thing you want me to do, yeah. and yet the kids are going out for hurling and they're going for swimming and they're, they're doing this and doing that. And everything is valuable. You see, there's a reason, a justification for everything, but it just means that things are very packed and very busy. And I think that's happening as a parent as well. I see that as a parent as well. There are so many good things and good after school and worthy things that could be classes that I could be sending my children to. And it's about trying to find a balance. And a big thing for me in writing this book and in the work I do with the wellbeing workshops in schools mm -hmm. and in libraries is that can we find really small ways of bringing this into our life? Uh, I noticed when I was um researching the book that uh, I have a huge interest in well-being and in in all these practices and even with my huge interest and passion and for the area I still really struggled to read some of the books because it's like 500 pages of a of a dense book I'll say that and I've been home with two, I've been home with two toddlers you know at the time uh, and my brain just wanted to rest yeah. <laughs> energy and that was me who loves this stuff so I'm like how could somebody you how could you be working all day and then do it? you can't it's just you can't do it so are there both for teachers and for parents my work is about trying to find small ways we bring it in really small ways and I notice it with my kids even with again with everything I do I still we can have days where uh, I'm not sure if mindfulness is featured at all in our life you know it's like we're because we're busy 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 so it's like, can I do something really small? Can um, we just catch up, take a breath for, mm. for five seconds? Can we, you know, can we just stop for a moment and pause and take a breath? Can we, um, if there's, if somebody's getting angry, you know, then if for me as the parent, it's like, or as the teacher, what can I do here? Well, I can, I hold the, I'm the, I'm the grown up in that situation. 
So it's for me to, to hold the space. Mm. The child's anger needs to go up. And we'll, we have a phrase in our house, it's okay to get angry. Mm. It's not okay to hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So, but, it, but it is okay to be angry. So we can do really small things like that, just with phrases. Um, and I think that's the thing nowadays, because of, it's changed so much as for parents and for teachers, is just really small, like really small yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's a really valuable um, point you've made because a lot of parents are out working and by the time they all get home and children and the homework and the dinners and all the stuff that has to be done, everybody is a little bit fraught and a little bit tired. And then, you know, and I've often worked with parents and they said, mindful, just as you said, mindfulness. Well, hello. You know, I'd be <laughs> lucky to get the dinner on without clattering yeah. myself, you know, because there's so much that yeah. needs to be fitted into a day. And then parents start feeling bad about themselves because they're not implementing a mindfulness program at home or they're not all calm and, you know, holding space for their children and because they don't hold it for themselves. And I think, again, that's where the awareness comes up is that when we do sit down with a child, and myself and Neve spoke about this before we come on, that parents actually learn as they are teaching or reading to their children. And it brought me back to when my own <clears throat> two adult children were children, small children. And there was that thing about reading a book every night, Neve, you know. And I remember sometimes we were so exhausted. We'd nearly be bribing myself, and my husband, nearly bribing each other, going, please, you do it tonight. I'm so tired. And, you know, and I always remember that because, you know, it's so hard when they're small If you just want five minutes for yourself and you don't always get it. And I think for parents to allow themselves that space and not feel guilty if they don't have the energy. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to a friend recently and I was talking about this idea of conscious parenting yeah. and about the idea that you're just looking at your own stuff what are you bringing to the relationship or to the situation and just bringing awareness and mindfulness to your own self as the parent and she said she said oh no Jesus. not another thing I'm doing wrong yeah and that was her first and it, that was her first instinct and I, and I was like no it's actually not that it's not about guilt I, I decided a couple of years ago it's just like I'm not doing guilt yeah I'm just I'm, I'm trying and some days I'm trying more than other days because some days are better than others um, but I'm just not going to do guilt because it's it doesn't help any of us. So it's just about being aware. So when I I hear talk, you know, people talk about gentle parenting as well, and I I, I do love so much about it, um, and it's a great idea um, to to bring gentleness and and um, that space to the relationship mm. with the child and the interaction with the child. But like I my, I'm, I roar my kids sometimes, and they roar yeah. sometimes. You know, that's life, and it's really normal. And I actually don't think it's healthy for a child to grow up in a monastery type setting where everybody's calm because they will not be able to cope when a teacher roars at them or they, they're an adult and their boss balls mm. them out on the factory floor about something. Mm. They won't be able to cope. They've never experienced that feeling of, you know, of uh, how do I cope with somebody else's emotion? Mm. How do I deal when somebody else's emotions are high? And that's one of the skills I can teach them. So when mm. I, if I, um, if I lose my, you know, lose it a little bit and I give a roar or something, but what I'll do is I'll actually say, you know, the anger, the anger is rising. 
the anger came up there and I forgot to breathe. And, mm. and I'll say this to my kids, I say, I forgot to do my breathing. Yeah. So I tell them to do, you know, I say, if you feel anger arising, we take a few breaths and then blah. And, and now, so I'll say to them, I forgot. Yeah. And, I, and, and my son, my seven-year-old said to me one day, one day Mammy, you forgot to breathe. <laughs> you know, and, but by being honest with them about yeah. my fail, not failing, but my yeah that I couldn't keep it do it the whole time they, they really respect that and they also learn that it's okay to not be perfect because yeah. this idea of trying to do everything perfectly all the time it's great it's just it's it's impossible and it puts so much pressure on us all mm-hmm. and the same in the classroom I remember the one time um I gave out to as I was a child doing something and I gave out but you know you shouldn't yeah. be doing that Michael or whatever and he was adamant that he hadn't done this whatever and um and I was adamant that he had and, and everything. And we had a little, there was a little thing. And then a few minutes later, I was I realized he hadn't been he hadn't been messing, you know. He'd yeah. and uh, and I went down to him and I said, Michael, I I just want to say I realize now that you were telling you were telling the truth. And and I I didn't I I made a mistake and I'm sorry. He looks at me and he's like, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was shocked that an adult was apologizing to him. Mm. oh my god I think that is yeah and you learned from it and he learned from it and you know what come up there as you were talking um when you talk about the anger I remember my eldest Matthew said to me one time um he said when you're angry when you're angry you're really only angry at yourself now that came from he was six or seven and I was like looking at this little soul going, oh, my God, you know, have I said this? And he's repeating it back to me. But again, it was as a new parent, you know, you're learning with your children a lot of the time, even though there is amazing parenting books out there and programs and everything else. And sometimes they make you feel good and other times they make you feel absolutely wretched because why can't I implement you know that in my home and why am I such a bad parent and everyone else is doing a brilliant job so there's that comparison isn't there Neve? about and even in schools like my child is brilliant and your child is not as good now I know parents don't say that out loud but children say it out loud they'll say I'm really good at maths and Johnny is useless he didn't get any of his maths maths right today yeah and between siblings as well it can happen a lot you know because they're all developing at their own pace with different things yeah I think the whole thing is to start by when I had my boys they're only there's like 18 months between them so I had a toddler and a newborn and my husband was working um like he was out of the house for about 12 hours a day five days a week and we had no family around so um I was felt quite isolated and I struggled a lot with the early days and that actually propelled me forward with all of this work because what happened was I was struggling so much I had a lot of anxiety um and I realized I needed I needed to figure something out I needed some tools to cope because I just found it really hard to cope with just the the day-to-day stuff and that's so I started like I found a meditation group and I started going to that and um I was reading parenting books and things like that. And it's like, it's, I've really grown. It's about I've been growing with, with my children in the, in the, in that, in that sense of growing along with them, but bringing gentleness to myself about it and compassion to myself about it. I'm not looking to be perfect. Mm. Um, I'm just looking to see, can I be present in this moment? And sometimes I can't. Yeah. I can't. And I think it's good to be able to say that though, Neve, isn't it? 
to be more gentle and compassionate with ourselves. We they're asking us to be gentle and compassionate with our children. And we're forcing ourselves sometimes to do it when we're just crumbling inside and exhausted and we're trying to be the best parent, but we're not being the best to ourselves. So, again, just what you said is really, really relevant. It's like if we can't give this to ourselves, you know, how can we give it to our child? So, you know, to give yourself a break as a parent. Yeah. And I think as well, because when we do that, um, our children are watching us. They study us constantly. They are experts on their parents. That's why they're able to trigger us so much, I think, as well. Because they're just they're with us constantly, especially, you know, when they're they're young. And um they know us so well, they watch everything we do, they watch how we react to stuff. And so if they see us not looking after ourselves, what are we teaching them about for when mm. they're adults? What are they learning about self, like minding themselves? Mm. What do we, if I want to look at how my child is going to be as an adult, one thing I can do is see how, what am I showing them about adulthood here? Mm. Um, mm. You know, do I meet my friends? Do I take time out? Do I sit down? Do I, do I have things that I'm interested in that I give myself time, mm. even small bits of time for, um, you know, does mommy matter? You know, this idea yeah. of just putting everybody else first kind of idea that it, it's um, we, we don't have to do that. And our children are watching and learning from us. And I would do something like I could say to them instead of saying to my kids, you know, where you, are you nervous? And like I know one of my kids gets nervous, but mm. go to school in the yard and stuff like that. And talking to him uh, saying to him, how is this? How's the yard today? How is the yard today? Mm. That doesn't that's just too in your face and yeah. um, nobody likes that you know no. even as an adult. but if I found when I if I say to him that I say if I say to him oh I uh I, I was really nervous today because I had to do I was doing a podcast yeah. you know and I felt really you know I was getting butterflies in my tummy and or whatever you know yeah pick something that I'm doing or I had to go to the hospital and I this or whatever and I'll talk to I'll just tell him my about my day and I'll tell him how I was feeling and and the amount of times they'll go me too mm. or you know I know how that oh yeah I had that too or I've mm. seen it in schools I said it to them I was with a, doing a workshop at the school in a school recently and I was talking about how when I get a bit nervous sometimes my breathing you know can get a little bit shallow that I forget to breathe down into my tummy and one of the boys he's like oh that doesn't really happen to me so much but when I'm start about to start a race I notice that it gets really busy up here and he pointed at his head you know that all the thoughts start coming and this other little girl and she was like she said, that doesn't really happen that it doesn't I don't get the busy brain she said but when I'm meeting new people my hands get shaky oh. and then you're all starting to say stuff and it started it didn't start by me asking them how do you feel when you have something new happening it was started by me telling them as an adult I feel that way too yeah. uh, this is how I feel sometimes and they're like me too me too me too yeah and they learn I so know. much more that way and then they're also they're you're talking to them as another person not yeah. just as an adult a wise adult talking to you know imparting yeah. knowledge to the small child it's actually person to person we're all yeah. human beings on this planet mm. and as Ram Das said we're all just walking each other home mm. And when we start to bring that perspective, whether it's as a teacher or as a parent or in general, when we meet our neighbours, if somebody's uh, something's not going perfectly, we bring that perspective to our whole life mm. of we are all on this planet together just trying to figure it out. Yeah. 
it's amazing how it can everything can soften oh absolutely and you know and it's lovely when you say um you know we're all just walking each other home I think for parents the responsibility nowadays is because the world has become I suppose we're fed so much fear you know and then we without consciously being aware of it all the time we're feeding that fear into our homes and to our children you know about walking the roads or don't talk to strangers or make sure you text me and I listened to a very interesting conversation it was on Tommy Tiernan and it was Colin Rourke. he's a Meads manager I think he was a footballer but he used to be a principal in a school in St. Pat's And he said that, he said, when he left home, he said they had a big family. And it was just a really interesting conversation compared to nowadays. He was from a big family and he was on Tommy Tiernan and Tommy Tiernan asked, how was your mental health column? Like, did you ever struggle, you know? And he said, well, I didn't have time to, he said, because there was 12 of us in the family (laughs) and they had a farm and they had to go to school and they had to work. And he said, it was just kind of get on with it. So he said he didn't have time not and he didn't say it in a bad way but he didn't have time to self-examine he was busy doing things that he loved and he had a little bit of work to do as we all did years ago we were all made do our chores and everything else but he said when he became a principal that he said the one thing that he knew every student needed even the messers was kindness just like you're greeting the child every morning knowing their name spending that even moment just looking into their little eyes and say how are you you know and they feel so special the teacher said my name today you know children love that and I thought it was just really important and another thing that he said and we could be getting kind of on dicey ground here but I'm it's his words as a principal He said that in education now that we were all conforming to be the same and that years ago, because Tommy Tiernan was his student and look at Tommy Tiernan. And he said, you know, there was such characters, everybody, there was such big characters in school, he said. And, you know, they were all had their own individual little personalities, he said, and he was kind to them all. It didn't matter what they were going to be in their life but that if you could have that kindness with them. And he said, what he sees now is this conforming and that schools, without it, maybe it's a whole big system thing, but they want everyone to conform, to be the same, to get the best results, to go on and be, you know, in third level education and to go on and do this, this and this. And as individuals, as children, we don't all learn the same. We don't always, like my eldest would say he learned through listening which was really I remember the day he said that he said the teacher's not teaching me properly they keep asking me to write he said and I was thinking but you have to do that in school and he said no mom they need to talk to us what he meant is he needed to be heard in school and he didn't feel heard and to have engagement, isn't it? Rather than like workbooks and that. Yes. And I, I think it's not happening just in schools. I do think that's something more across the board. Yeah. Um, and I think what we can do sometimes when we find see things on like a, a macro level, on this big level of what's happening in the world, um, in our communities and, and on a bigger scale, we'll often find it's reflected back in our own life. Mm. And we can see it on a micro level, it's happening in our own home, maybe. And we can't always fix the world in one go. I've, I've tried, but it's not working so far. Um, but we can look at our own small actions and that feeds into it. So I notice myself that that tendency to want my children to conform, uh, 
conform. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. Mm. Um, the basic, you know, when I have two very lively boys, they're fabulous, but they're not quiet. You know, <laughs> they, they, they're they're full of beans. Like, and it's not just me. It's it's you know, I've I've heard it back kindly, but, um, you know, they're they're, they're lively, and um. I found that really stressful, especially when they were younger. You'd mm-hmm. go to toddler gymnastics and they were the only two who were running like wild around the place and they wouldn't do what was supposed to be done. And and I would I would be so ball of sweat by the end mm-hmm. of it because I felt the eyes, what I perceived as like the eyes of all the other parents and the instructor. I, I don't even know whether they were or not. It's just how I felt, you know, because I was very self-conscious. And it came back to an insecurity in myself. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I started working on that, because one day I brought my, um, I think he was my older boy, he was about six at the time, and he, we, I brought him to the junior park run, which is two kilometres, and he was not loving it. Like, we, we'd been ringing him for a while, and he's like, you know, he's like, my legs hurt, my legs hurt, and then he'll sprint to the car park as soon as it was over, you know, and... I was, there were kids who were way younger than him were lapping him, you know, passing him out and everything. And he was, there was so much complaining going on. And I was, come you know, come on, you're well able and all this kind of stuff. And and then it struck me. I was like, who am I doing this for? Mm. Who do I want? I, and I realized I wanted to, you know, to, to, to get a good time and to be keeping up with his classmates. He didn't care that there were young kids younger than him lapping him. He was only concerned with like that he wanted, I don't know, that he was missing a cartoon or something, mm. his own business. He didn't care about what other people were thinking. I cared about what I thought was best. And it was my kind of ego self, you know, my mm. my own caught up in my own self-consciousness. Yeah. And I was parenting out of that. And I re- and I realized in that moment, I said, oh, that, that's, that's not how I want to do this. Mm. That's, that's not what I want to do. So I had to go back and look at myself. And that's been a big part of my practice is looking at myself. And you touched on that idea of maybe not having time. There's a balance to be struck. We want, it's good to look in, but not be constantly looking mm. in. Yeah. And um, when I started unraveling those layers for me, I could it's like that it's okay for them to fail. It's okay for them to not be the best at this. It's 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 all those things are okay once I allowed myself mm. that same space, you know. And it's so I so tied, you know, the um there's um Dan Siegel writes about it. I think it's parenting from the inside out. And, yeah. and it's this idea of looking at what, what we bring our own patterns, we bring our own stuff from our own childhoods, and um we we bring our own stuff to the relationship with our children. And if we don't take the time on some level to unpick that a little bit or sort through it a little bit or heal a little bit, I mean, if that's what's needed then we unwittingly are quite likely to pass that on to our own children. We fall into the same pattern. It's like they say, um, I opened my mouth and my mother came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's happened loads. And I'm like, I love my mother and she's fabulous. But I, there's things, you know, this is my own, this is my mm. family now. And so I have, I want to, like, I have a way that I do it. And um, so it's looking at myself and and not big thing for me. It's like not bringing guilt to that, mm. not bringing blame. I don't have to blame me for any any things I didn't do did or didn't do when my kids were younger I also don't have to look back and blame my parents and my grandparents or anybody else for anything it just it, it is what it is right now and all we I need to look at is right here right now and one of the practices I do with kids 
And I find when I do it with the kids, I automatically calm down myself. And that's, again, where it just keeps coming back to if you do anything with your kids, you just kind of can't help but start benefiting by osmosis. Mm-hmm. And it's like we put our hand on our heart and we imagine taking a breath in through our heart and we breathe out through our heart. And then we picture um, somebody we love. And it could be like a parent or it could be um a pet it could be uh, it could be a teddy you know it could be anything we pick it. it could be something very neutral but like a loved very loved teddy and um because again we don't know what's going on for the children so we can pick something like that and it's like you hold the image of them in your mind as you breathe in and out through your heart and it just you just soften and mm. calm down and when I do that with kids in school and if I remember to do it at home with my own kids um I find myself I'm like oh yeah yeah we're just taking a pause and it's a tiny pause mm. and if you're like a teacher and you do that if the, you know when the kids come in from the break it's 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 just the energy is really high the yard can be a real it's like i don't know it's a battleground can be real bad yeah you know it's like i've done yard duty in schools and it's like oh i would not wish to be back there survival of the fittest you know so the energy can be quite all high. over the place mm. when the kids come back in and as a teacher, if you do that, something like that, or ring a bell or do any of those very small things, you'll get the class back much quicker than if you just stood there and said, everybody sit down and all that and started going on like that. Mm-hmm. They come back much quicker and you come back too. Mm-hmm. And when I, so when I do those things, um, incorporating those really small mm-hmm. things, um, like that what I said to one of my sons yesterday at swimming it's like we can do hard things that was my only advice I didn't I can't sort everything for him I can't take away his fear of swimming but we can do hard things and he didn't manage to do everything at the swimming lesson but that was and I was like that's okay you just you know you did what you could today but what happened is planting a seed for him Mm. so that when he's in when he's in secondary school or he's in college or he's 40 years old and living in Sydney or something like that Mm. you know that He's got, uh, he knows some level, he knows, he's a, he, there's a, I can do hard things, and, yeah. you know, or I can come back to my breath, you know, I can feel that in my heart, there's, I can come back to, to, to the breath, yeah. these tiny little things, and I think that's how we can, you, you know, you spoke there about the fear mm-hmm. that we can experience, as, particularly as parents, I never knew real, I think until you, when you have, somebody ex- ex- described parenting to me when I was pregnant with my first as, watching your heart running around outside your body mm. and I was like oh yeah actually now it's like I get that now and you realize you see that you can't protect them from everything mm. and you realize as they start getting older that actually that was one good thing about when they were babies even as hard as it was you actually knew where they were constantly and now you don't yeah and I found myself recently going back and going into fear a lot and you know you can get these kind of going into these catastrophic thoughts of mm. this is happening they're struggling with friendship or something now therefore da, 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 da. and you imagine something you know it's something awful when they're 30 or something yeah. like that their whole life is going to you know you're going to go off off it kind of gets out of control it gets a life of its own and I it was doing this for a few days and what I realized was I kind of caught myself with it and I realized that what all I was doing was building fear and I was not just for myself, because I was tense around my son as well, in a way. I wasn't even aware of it, but there was bringing attention. How was today? You know, how are things? Was everything okay? You know, 
instead of breathing around it. And as I realized as well, I had let go of my own practice. I hadn't mm. been for me. It's to it's meditation. It's sitting. That's my main one. But it doesn't have to be that. Like I know people who knit. And yeah. I know people, you know, walking. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't. It's just anything that brings you grounds. It brings you back down to land. And when I did that, it was like I was able to open up to the. And I also talked to a, a wise friend because that mm -hmm. helps too. I reached out to somebody and who doesn't even have kids, but he's like, he was able to say, you know, they need they need to go through these hard times. It's part of life, and your job isn't to fix it for them. It's not to run to the teacher about every single mm -hmm. thing. It's not about trying to orchestrate everything in their lives for them. It's like it's providing a safe, secure, supportive home. So if they go out to school and it's tough for them, or they're going out to, you know, to a party and they're finding that tough, or whatever's going on in their life that they're finding tough, that they can come home to that safe space and be where they can be themselves and they can sort of let yeah. go of it all. And that restores them. Mm. and that 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 they know that they're safe there and safe that there's a place where they're safe and they're secure and they can kind of build back themselves back up again to go out again mm. and to keep going and it's sort of and they work through it yeah. and and i think that's it's like what i was saying earlier that you can as a teacher you can do that too mm. without taking on a whole other curriculum you can just you can do that too just by being aware of the space you're holding in the room that where whenever you're interacting with a child, whether it's as a parent or as a teacher, as anything, a, a nurse or a doctor, anyone, you're holding a space for that time, and so you get to decide what what how what the energy of that space is. Mm -hmm. You get you get to because you're the grounded one. You're the adult, you know, and the one with the some life. Exp I know I know there are tools, so I can bring um I can bring the right energy and the right you know ground that space for the child. Mm -hmm. And that just, that's, that's all, that's what they need. They don't need us to fix everything. No. Um, so beautiful, Neve, and it's so true. And I think all parents listening will take a big sigh of relief and put their hand on their heart and go, oh, I'm not the worst parent in the world, you know, that I try to do my best. And even hearing that, you know, that we don't have to fix everything for our children. I think parents need to be reminded of that. Because, again, there seems to be a huge amount of pressure out in the world now. I think we've created it as a society ourselves and that children have to live up to those expectations, which is impossible. And I think it has added pressure to them, not just in primary school, but all the way up through education. And I've worked with many teenagers and college going students. And when they come, they say, you know, when my parents wanted me to do this, and I'm afraid now of disappointing them and letting them down. You know, my parents have worked really hard and they kept telling me all my life I'd be brilliant at nursing or I'd be brilliant at being a vet or brilliant at a carpenter. But I really don't like it. I don't like what I'm doing. It wasn't my choice. But sure, I better keep going because I don't want to disappoint them. And for me, that feels quite sad because then they're not individuals. They're conforming or afraid of letting down the people, their parents, their guardians, whoever it is. And and I know the parents don't do that intentionally and they're not they don't feel like they're forcing their children, but they want the best for their children. They're doing it out of love. But again, something you said is like, who are we doing it for? Yeah. And I you think know. you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned they're not doing it intentionally. Yeah. And that for me has been the one of the greatest learning curves 
is is exactly that I need to set my intentions mm. as a mother or as a teacher because if I don't set intentions then I'll just run old patterns yeah yeah and that's the danger because we've all grown up with that same idea the amount of people my age who I know worked in IT and did got degrees in IT just because everybody was being told in 1998 IT is the big thing go do that in college nothing to do with what you were you cared about or were passionate good about Mm. it's just that and we can fall into that trap very easily all of us and it's the intention so it's not that we have to get we we just it's just about bringing small amount of awareness Mm. it's uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheel we don't have to you know go into therapy if we don't want it we don't have to do anything big we just but we bring awareness to like you said to that if my child has come up to leaving cert am i am i listening to what Mm. they actually want and you know what if they don't know what they want yet that's okay they're 17 babies really i know we thought we were all growing up but so young they're babies and it's okay you know if that's okay and listen just actually stopping and listening and i heard a very good one recently it said it's a try saying this to your kids it's just you know what it can be hard to be a kid i was thinking about this recently it can be really hard being a kid or a teenager it can be really hard it's hard growing up sometimes growing up can be really hard and that's all you have to say and again it just gives them that it's like yeah it is and because they do recognize it's recognized in science you know that childhood is one of the most stressful periods of your life we think it's like oh it's great <laughs> you know everything's done for you everything's handed mm. to you but it's very stressful you're group changing and growing mentally and physically there's so much happening you're trying to figure out everything mm. and you have no control at all if i really hate my job i could probably try and get another one most of the time we have mm. some options somewhere but when you're a child you don't no. you know and you, we forget how little choice, how little control, how little autonomy mm-hmm. and independence children have generally that we give them in terms of how what we give them. And so it's again, it can be really small things. It's like, um, what jumper? Do you want to wear this jumper or that jumper? You know, when they're really small, it's like, do you yeah. want to wear this jumper or that jumper today? The red one or the blue one, you know? And they Instead might say, of forcing oh, the outfit on them, and yeah, that's what you're and, wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's really small things, and it doesn't always work. And that's fine because they're like, I don't want either of them, yeah. you know? And, and that's okay too. But it's again, it's just bringing our own awareness to what we're bringing to, to the relationship, yeah. our own intentions. Mm-hmm. Like one of my intentions as a mother would be to be open and honest with my kids um, so that they um, like that to be able to apologize to them and so that they can see um, that it's, you know, like I'll tell them adults get nervous. I the teachers, I'm like, teachers get nervous too, you know, going back to school. They do not. <laughs> and and just being open with them. And um, and it, it's amazing the shift you'll, you'll experience with those small, a lot of the time it's just a mindset shift. So we don't have to do loads of different things. We can just change how we're looking at it. Mm. And that in itself can be um, uh, um, small things like we do. And we again, we do not do it every day because we forget for a while and then we start again. But we do gratitude at dinner. Mm. Is there one thing you're grateful for today? You know? And we try to keep it to small things as well. It's mm. like, and sometimes it's like, well, I'm grateful mommy didn't do the dinner from last night. <laughs> you know, um, it's like, thanks. But 
it's small things and, and like that again we forget like there could be weeks go by and we don't do gratitude and then I'm like oh my god we have to start doing gratitude again yeah. and we do it for a while again but we're not like this is how it has to be yeah. and that softens things and again it just gives people space to be themselves yeah absolutely and he, again you reminded me I remember my the eldest son 23 and he's finished his apprenticeship and one day he came home and it was really stressful and I said what was the best thing about today he was really annoyed I could see his face and I said what was the best thing about today and he said that it's over <laughs> and we both yeah. just burst out laughing you yeah, know exactly. because we could have gone into the litany of what was the worst things about today and everything and it was going to be all negative and I was giving him space to be able to let spiel if he wanted to but the fact he said it and we just burst out laughing and I said it is over I said so now leave it there I said and now you have the rest of the day for you exactly. you know and, and also in doing that you're also recognizing that some days are kind of yeah, yeah. and that that's okay yeah. So it's not trying to, you know, it's like it's because we can invalidate other people's yes. experiences, not just children, but for other adults, too. It's like, you know, it's that whole, but, you know, I shouldn't be complaining because I have it better than it's no, it's OK yeah. to have found that tough or to not yeah. like today or yeah. to just be a bit down or to. Yeah. Uh, and I'll even tell my kids if, you know, I'm feeling a bit, you know, I'm just I'm just having a bit of a tough day and it's not really any reason. I think I say it in the book even. Some days you just have an off day and there's no real reason. And it's just being okay with that because it's like in the book I talk about emotions coming, you know, that our feelings, they're like, you know, they're like clouds and they come, they arise and then they pass, they come and then they move on. And if we just allow them to be, then they'll pass. So we talk about, instead of saying I'm angry, I am angry. It's like I'm feeling it sounds a bit you feel a bit daft at the start thing, but it's like I can feel anger right now. Yeah. Or I can feel I'm trying to find where it is in my body. Yeah. So like is it in my tummy? Is it in my seven-year-old's mm. like my hands? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um finding where it is. And then you're just sort of allowing that feeling. So you had a yeah, I had a that bad day. I, I've had them too. Yeah. And what I do, we do as well is when there's a bad day like that, even if there's no particular reason, can I do something nice for myself then? Mm. And when I've had that, it's like, what would I do if it was somebody else? So I mind myself. So I'll say to my kids, well, what would be nice right now? And sometimes that's curling up on the couch, the blanket and watching mm. a movie. Mm. Or let's have something nice for dinner. And what would you, you know, let's have something, you know, or let's have dessert, you know. Yeah. You know, let's get outside, whatever it might be. Or let's just, and be like, can we just sit down and do Lego or something? Yeah. Um, and we could do that for ourselves as well. Again, mm. recognizing it just, it doesn't matter why or should or should not. I just had a tough day or a tough week mm. or a tough yeah. year. Yeah. And and I'm just and you really need to be kind to myself. Yeah, I think we just need to give ourselves a break mm. and stop putting so much pressure on ourselves, stop putting pressure on ourselves being parents, and then the children won't feel that pressure. And what I love is as you said, all those little steps, everything, little step, and even for teachers, because we know they have a, a huge amount on their plate already. But even for themselves, having that little tool or technique to use for themselves, which is also going to help their children, exactly. you know, and that the parents have it as well. And that's what I love about your book and the beautiful illustrations by Carl Batera, Batera, yeah. beautiful illustrations. Um, and as I was looking down through it and I said it to you, I said that parents, anybody would learn a huge amount 
about taking time for themselves, you know, by looking at the book. And I think that's giving the opportunity to parents as they sit with their children or read to their children, that they're also incorporating in that practice to their lives. You know, they might think I'm just reading the book, but you're actually stopping and you're going, oh, oh, that's really good. I might use that. (laughs) So what your book is, it's a beautiful, what I love about books, even though I spoke about myself, my husband bribing each other to take the turn for reading our kids when we were small. But what I did love about it, there was this beautiful connection when we did sit on the side of the bed and read to our children. And then they asked questions and you were really connected and really listening, even though you might've had a million other things to do, you just then kind of lose yourself in the moment with them. And it's a really special connection. And I I just say, oh my God, I wish I could still read to them, you know, that thing, you know, because it was such a beautiful privilege to be able to do that with them. And because they do grow up quite quick. And you learn about them, the other parts of them that they don't always show in the quiet and the stillness, that lovely time before they go to sleep. But you're also learning to have patience and consideration for yourself during that time. Exactly. I mean, one of the biggest lessons I I, I was I thought I was a very patient person from years of teaching and everything. And then I had my own children. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, I, hmm. <laughs> not as much as I thought, mm-hmm. you know. And again, it's like, that's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. But, you know, um, and I think the thing with this is with the book is I've read so many books and studies uh, in this whole area. And you could you could you could read for years about it, but you could learn everything you actually need in a picture book, the size of a picture book, the yeah. amount of words in a picture book, because it comes down to such simple stuff. Pause breathe mm. look around you take it in mm. like those four things you know you're just, if you just my kids really my husband was bringing the kids to school today and I was just standing at the door as they were getting into the car and I saw my my nine-year-old kind of smiled at me before he got into the car and it's just kind of that tiny little like yeah. a polaroid moment of the little small innocent smile you know and uh, heading off to school in his new coat mm. and it's like this it's like it's pause, soak it up. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, we might have like a meltdown later and that's okay too. Mm. And it, but, but just don't, I'm like, please, and you don't miss those little things. Just yeah. take that, those few moments and they balance it out then. The other stuff mm. will happen too. And that's yeah. normal. And um, we're not trying to create these picture perfect homes because they just do not exist. And it's very stressful to try for yeah. everybody. They, you know, they did a study. I, I find this study, it's like fascinating, so fascinating to me. They did a study with children who had been diagnosed as having anxiety. And they took the parents of those children and put them into a six week program of working with your anxiety. They didn't intervene with the children on any level. They just worked with the parents about their own lives mm. and their own anxiety. And they measured those children again at the end of the study and like no prizes for guessing all of their anxiety levels. It didn't necessarily, it's, it's not about fixing everything, but we can make, we can simplify things a bit. We can make things a little bit easier. We can take one layer of what's going on off. Mm. Um, you know, they talk in Buddhism about the second arrow. We can't avoid the first arrow, sometimes the first thing, something that goes wrong, something that's happening that's that's difficult or you know, some suffering of some kind. But we can avoid the second arrow, which is the, the layer we add to it. Mm. 
you know so I think all these things it's like it's like that we can we can really we can just simplify it down just take it you know where can I simplify my life yeah oh my god apps for me it's always about bring it back to the basics keep everything as simple as possible and the other thing I constantly say to all of my clients and groups and everybody Neve doesn't matter what age they are is it based on fear or love and I always come back to it and that is stuck with me so you know if you are anger angry at something it's usually a fear or frustration that you have in yourself but children don't understand that so again as you said it's just giving them space you know and I saw a video the other day of this little girl crying on the floor and her mom said oh my little girl is having some big feelings today she just needs space to let those feelings out and her baby sister was rubbing her the big sister's arm and going I'm here for you I'm here for you and I thought Oh, my God, that is so beautiful. So the mother wasn't in scooping up the daughter, trying to make it all better. She was letting her experience the feeling. And as she did, the little child came in with compassion. I'm here for you. (laughs) Brilliant. We all need to do that. We all need to give ourselves space and allow ourselves to have it and not feel bad for whatever we're feeling. And what you said is really important is not protecting our children from seeing us having our meltdowns or having a mad day or having a frustrated day or really tired and saying that without feeling guilty about it or trying to cover it up and then getting angry about it when yeah. nobody's listening to us. Yeah. Or even I need to go, yeah, I'm I'm having a tough time, so I need to get some help, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm going to there's some I'm, I was I've been feeling sad for a while. So or something like that, you know, and we, yeah. we talk about it. And there was I remember once when I was teaching, there was a lovely family and the daughter was in junior infants and the husband got diagnosed um with cancer and he didn't want to tell he wouldn't he didn't want to tell the children the five-year-old and the three-year-old and I remember talking to the mum and she said he's you know she was like he's insisting on on, that he doesn't want to tell them I said just to be aware I need to say to they will know there's something wrong in the house they'll know children like I said earlier they're watching us constantly they're soaking everything up they are in the soup of it all like you know they're soaking it all up and children if they're not some on some child appropriate level if it's not it can be explained to them on a very appropriate level and if it's not they will often default thinking I've done something wrong yes you know daddy's this or mommy's that and I must I've done something wrong Mm. and we've got nothing to do them at all like but that they they don't understand and all we have to you know so we can do a very simple version for them Mm. of and this is what's going on at the moment this is what's me you know that when my kids were much younger my husband was in hospital for about three weeks and he he made a full recovery but um he was sick for a while and it was like yeah daddy needs is in the hospital and but the doctors are looking after him and, you know, because they were quite small and they brought him to visit and they just loved the electric bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and they saw that he was okay, you know, and, yeah. um, and letting them like that, 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 that example you gave of the parent and the mother and that the child was having these big feelings. And it's like, yeah, we'd say here, it's like, you know, feel all the feels, yeah. you know, yeah. and because, you know, you'd know, Sharon, from your work, that mm. so much of the stuff that we end, we can end up carrying as adults is because we pushed those feelings mm. down. Yeah. It's not about letting it all rip on everybody all the time, but it's about being able to hold the feelings, being, yeah. giving ourselves space for the feelings. And when we don't do that, 
we are not allowing them to pass through us. Yeah. You know what, Neve? It's it's even as I'm sitting listening to, I realize every day as we have this conversation with many people in two different topics of what they're doing. But it's about acknowledging how we feel. It's the awareness of, you know, that feeling to be present with it, listen to it for a few moments, give it some kindness and compassion, whether you're an adult or the child, and that you give space to yourself. And I think as adults, especially parents and teachers and any caregivers, you know, that they allow themselves that space. And then when they do, they'll be able to give it a little bit easier, maybe to the children or whoever it is they're caring for. And in your book, you know, as I said, it's beautifully illustrated by Carl. And I love, you know, inside it, it's inside your brain. You'll just go, I won't give all the beautiful details away, but I just love it. it's like inside your brain, because many people don't talk about inside their brain and what goes on with their mind, you know, and the little ideas you have, little mindful techniques for parents and children, talking about our emotions, breathing, for me, breath is always the anchor into this moment. It's the most, I suppose, overlooked tool that we have, and it's free, you know. So learning to be mindful of that breath, to be aware of the breath, the mindset, really important, what you tell yourself. And this is a really important one, not just for children, but for adults as well. Because as we've spoken in this um, chat now, it's like what parents are telling themselves about the guilt and I should be and I could have and da, 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 da. And then they're trying to overcompensate and everything else with their children. So when they're able to tell themselves about being kinder to themselves, I think they can do that for their children as well. The resilience, this is another huge one I love because this podcast celebrates the resilience of the human spirit and what we get through and what we have come through and what we can overcome and what adversity people have had in their lives. And that if we can, I always say, I don't think we can teach resilience, but just like you said to your son at the swimming, you know, we can do hard things. It'll be tough, but we can do them and we can get through them. And as you said, you mightn't win, you mightn't get anywhere in it, but you've done it. Look at what you've done. I think that's brilliant. Sometimes just showing up is the is, is just showing up how you see the world. Again, I love this, our perspective. And I think this would be a brilliant one for parents as they're reading it to their children. They actually say, well, how do I see the world? Do I see it through fear or love? The gratitude. Absolutely. If it's only given thanks for the dinner on the table that night, because there mightn't be anything else you're quite happy about. But most importantly, the compassion. And I think every night before we, you know, took our little babies into bed and that we just go, you know what, it is, it's a tough, as you said, it's tough for children. It's tough now. And to realize that and to give them that kiss and that hug, but then to give yourself a hug going out the door that you're doing your best as well. I think your book is so beautiful, Neve. As I said, it's not just for children. I think parents, adults, you know, if you're an adult, pick it up, even if you have no children. For teachers, you know, for anybody, pick it up because it's just beautifully written and very well described in each of the topics, which I love because, as again, I teach mindfulness. And as I looked at it, I thought this is a book I would share with an adult. Yes. And that's exactly what I I, that's what I had in mind um, when I was writing it. Uh, Kind of as it evolved, I realized that 
this is all I this is I was nearly writing it for myself yes. and for my I was writing it with my children in mind but then I was also writing it for myself yeah it was distilling everything I had read and researched and absorbed and learned over the years and just what does it for me what does it come down to mm. and um and that's and it's that I've had a number of adults as through the editing process you know were saying to me I was like I've actually learned I've, I've learned a few things myself here it's written with a tone so it's directed at the child mm. you know so it's speaking to the child so that they can read it themselves if they want or the adult or a teacher can you know the teacher the parent can read it with them or for them um and it's it's I've found when people have been some of the feedback I've gotten about it is they'll people will do is they'll dip in and out of it yeah and like somebody a parent was telling me how her um daughter was struggling a bit with they were doing bas after basketball after school and she was having she was just struggling with the whole thing and there was a chapter they just kept going back to Mm. you know and her son wanted to go back to the brain gym the idea that we can ex- you know that we can exercise our brain we can change our brain and he loved that idea something about it yeah. just and he said he said to his mom you know it's like I was thinking about that in class today you know in school today but yeah. it's so small things can just stick and that's really all we need we just need small things to stick yeah. and we don't have to overcomplicate things we, we don't have to all get a master's in mindfulness mm. we can just it's like that pause and breathe and we look around yeah. we take it in and we bring kindness to ourselves mm. then we have it to give yeah beautiful and as you said it's planting the seeds for those future generations that you know they may forget about it and then they'll bring it into their own lives through their adulthood and maybe when they become parents or caregivers themselves and it is it's how we see the world and i think it would be lovely just for ourselves to be able to see the world with a little bit more kindness because we don't always get to see that, but that we could show the younger generation that the world can be a nicer place. It can be a more compassionate place and it can be a place where people listen to you and acknowledge you for who you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, beautiful. So Neve, your book can be pre-ordered Mighty Mindsets on kennys.ie also on amazon.co.uk and bookdepository.com. It is released on April 20th and May 5th, it will be launched in Charlie Burns Bookshop in Galway. I'm presuming in the evening. Yes, six o'clock. Six o'clock in the evening. And I am very honoured to be invited by Neve to launch, open up the evening for her. I'm so excited for her. I said, yes, absolutely. Because for me, it's all about supporting and encouraging each other. Because when we do, you're, it's like you're giving everybody permission in the world to go and do what they're passionate about and what they want to share with others. So for me, absolutely, whenever I can, I'm absolutely always going to support and encourage. Please, you can contact Neve if you want any more information about her well-being workshops or you'd like her to visit your school or your library or your home. <laughs> <laughs> wherever and neve doyle writer at gmail.com you can find neve on instagram at neve doyle writer and twitter at neve underscore writes now i'll have all of those links on the show notes so you can pop in and i'll be sharing the podcast all over social media and i'll have her tagged so you can go in follow her and follow her journey and connect with her. And if you have any questions, ask her. You know, we always say that we don't have all the answers, but we can only share what we know and maybe a little tip or tool somewhere along the way 
And that's why I'm delighted Neve took the time today to come on and to share so honestly and authentically, you know, about your process, you know, for this book and parenting and all of the things as a teacher that go with it. And we could stay talking for ages, Neve, about it all because there is so much. But I have just been delighted to have this conversation and to share this with you. You have so much experience to share with others, Neve, and uh, you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you so much, Sharon. And thank you for having me on today. It's been so lovely to talk with you. Oh, as always. So as I said, please check out Neve Mighty Mindsets, how mindsets can help your child with life's ups and downs and not only your children in brackets, all adults. <laughs> <laughs> so again, Mighty Mindsets, check it out. And it can be pre-ordered on kennys.ie, amazon.co.uk and bookdepository.com and the publishers are Little Island Neve Doyle writer thank you so much thank you Sharon and thank you to everyone for listening again today I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to chatting to you all again soon